is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 469, recorded Tuesday, January 28th, 2020. 2020. That is correct. Welcome to the program, everyone. It's been a little while since we've recorded, and before that, it would have been a long while since we recorded. So we haven't quite done as many podcasts as I'd hoped over the hiatus so far, but maybe in the last four weeks before The Walking Dead comes back, we will rectify that sure you want to record once or twice more or like let's let's commit here well i'm thinking every day between now and when the show returns on at the end of february sounds fantastic all right we'll see if we can make that happen uh but really there'll be at least one more between now and then and uh, (laughs) we'll talk about that more at the end but thanks for tuning in everyone today on the program we are going to do some walking dead news there's a bunch there And then we're going to talk about the new Star Trek Picard show a little bit after Mm -hmm. that. Yes. So uh, you should look forward to that. But first... I am looking forward to that. uh, I've been looking forward to that for a week now. Yeah, I know. And we talked about it on the weekend and decided we would do that because I think you and I will both have interesting perspectives on it coming from different places. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that towards the end of the podcast. Right now, I want to start with... A couple of emails and a call from listeners just following up on some things. Um, You know, partly, well, mostly, I will say, the discussion we had about The Thing last time on the podcast. And we're going to start here with Don in Wisconsin. And Don writes, Chris, you've never been more wrong. (laughs) The Thing is a perfect movie, with only one exception. The scene where Wilford Brimley is trying to build the spaceship is silly and takes you out of the movie. I'll forgive you, though. You're still my favorite Canadians not named Mark Shifley or Paul Maurice. they hockey players? <laughs> one is a hockey player, one is a coach. And I'm going to say <laughs> that Don must be a fan of the Winnipeg Jets. So oh, yeah, okay. good for you. Uh, Paul Maurice coached the Leafs for a couple of years, too, uh, a while back there. So I'm familiar with him. But, you know, he, he says I've never been more wrong because the thing is a perfect movie. And I'm open to that idea. In fact, I feel like I might be wrong about it. And, you know, I completely understand where Don is coming from. I am the only person I've ever met that I think didn't like that movie. So I understand what Don's saying, and I think he might be right. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think we were a perfect representation of that movie because when it first came out, critics were divided. Right. And they're still divided. It's either a, uh, a piece of claptrap that is easily forgotten mm-hmm. uh, based around the other stuff that was out coming out at the, t- at the time or came out at the time, or it's a work of genius that uh, informed sci-fi and thriller movies for uh, a generation. And, you know, neither of those is wrong. Well, I, I you, you may be right about that, but I, I'm at least open to the idea that I may be on the wrong side of history with my feelings on on the thing. But it, it comes down to, as I said a few weeks ago, you know, my expectations were all over the place or, or were, were different f- for what the, from what the movie was. And I think that kind of tainted my, my uh, viewing experience. And, yeah. you know, that idea 
might come up again later in this podcast, but we'll see. Well, it's important to remember that I think I'm coming down on the wrong side of history on uh, RoboCop. I hated that movie. <laughs> the original, the, the original RoboCop movie. Yeah, I've rewatched it. It's garbage. Wow. I see. That's something I can't understand. I saw RoboCop when it was new, and or or shortly after, because maybe I was a little young for the violence in it, but. I love RoboCop. And uh, it, it was a ridiculous idea. And, you know, Peter Weller, it, he was miscast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I anyway. wouldn't have thought that at the time because, you know, at the time I didn't know who he was. And now he just is RoboCop to me. And I, I don't understand. I think RoboCop's a great movie. Yeah. I would have much preferred Peter Sellers. He no. Was dead at the time. That but. doesn't work. That doesn't work, I don't think. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Our next email is from old friend Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Now, this is just a portion of his message. He was also kind of disappointed that I didn't like the thing, uh, but he also had this to say about the 2011 version of the movie. And he says, The 2011 version wasn't a remake, though it was fairly similar. It was really a prequel, as the cast largely consists of Norwegians. Basically, it's the first crew discovering the alien. The movie was actually quite enjoyable and starred Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's always good. I just checked the credits and figured it would have the guy who played Tormund in Game of Thrones, since he's Norwegian. Turns out, it, turns out he was in it. The graphics <laughs> are smoother, of course, so you may like it more. Since Jason actually liked The Thing, though, perhaps you should tell him I recommend the newer one. I'm going to watch that. I, you know, to be honest, I didn't know that existed. Yeah, and it's not a remake. It is a prequel. So yeah. I'm curious to watch that too now, to be honest with you. Um, I would like to see what they do with basically the same movie, but a, a slightly different experience or a, and a different cast. And right. the guy who plays Tormund, I mean, you can't go wrong yeah. with that dude. I love that dude. Yeah. So pencil this in for the summer. Good idea. Let's do it. Right. Let's do it in All the right. summer. Thank you, Matt, for that. Now, finally, we have a call from Lee, and this one's not related to the thing, but this one goes way back because he was rewatching the show, I think, and re-listening to some podcasts of ours. That's hardcore. I know. And this was fun, so I wanted to uh, play this. This comes from Lee. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Lee in St. Catharines. And I want to wish, first off, I want to wish you guys a happy new year and hope you guys had a good holiday season off. You guys have been not podcasting a long time and I'm missing it. Um, but I happened to listen to some of your older episodes, and I listened to uh, your podcast number 56, which was season two, episode one. And my holy crap is the cold open in that, is that uh, from a character's point of view, you've got Rick talking on the, uh, the handheld radio, and he's leaving a message if Morgan's listening, and he says, I met a scientist, and he told me, oh, it doesn't matter what he told me. And that's my holy crap, like... What a total fucking prick Rick was. Like, he, there's a man that just saved his life when he comes out of the hospital, teaches him, like, you know, the ways of the force and all about the walkers and shit, and he finds out that, hey, you know, everybody turns when they die, no matter how they die. And Morgan didn't tell him that, so obviously Morgan didn't know. And he doesn't tell him. Like, hey, you know, there's other people that could be in his life. Dwayne could have died and off natural causes and turned and killed fucking Morgan. Like, what a jerk to not tell him. What a fucking jerk. I can't get over this. Um, I realized why they did it for the plot. They didn't want to tell what the secret was. And Chris, back then, you thought the secret was that Lori was pregnant, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's my holy crap. I hope you guys are ready to power through season 10 we're on 
and uh, look forward to hearing your podcast. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. All right. Thank you, Lee. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of does make Rick a bit of a dick. For, yeah, it's a dick move, Rick. For not telling him, like, that critical piece of information that could have come in to play when he was in danger at some point or, you know, saved his life at some point. So I agree. That seems like a pretty dick thing to do right now. But at the time, it didn't really feel like it. Yeah. It's like yeah, you wake up one morning and you, uh, it, it comes to you and you call up your best friend and you say, uh, you know what, uh, this uh, giant planet that we're on told me the, uh, the, uh, the question for the life, the universe and everything and happiness and told me exactly what that all means. And well, yeah, that doesn't really matter. It's not important. It's not important. <laughs> no. And then, then the fucking Vogon fleet destroys the planet. You know, yeah. it's just, it just seems like a dick move. Just before, uh, it, the planet finishes its calculations of what the question is. That's right. That's my favorite but, part. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyways, so Rick's kind of a dick and, um, oh, he mentioned that I thought I was speculating at the time that the secret was that Lori was pregnant, oh, yeah. <laughs> which to be fair, she was, um, yeah. but, but I guess that wasn't the big secret at the time. So <laughs> I was wrong. And I think I was justified in my thinking that that was the secret. And if it was, then why would it matter to Morgan? So it kind of would make Rick less of a dick and make that scene make a little bit more sense. Right. But alas, it was none of those things, although she was pregnant. Okay, thank you, Lee, for sending that in. Jason, let's jump into some Walking Dead news. Sure, sure. The Walking Dead News. All right, our first item in the news here is about the new TV program, which is called The Walking Dead World Beyond. This is, of course, the third show in the Walking Dead universe on AMC. We have a little bit of information here. We now know that it will be premiering on Sunday, April the 12th at 10 p.m. Eastern, which, of course, is the same night as the Walking Dead season 10 season finale, and it will immediately follow that episode. Well, of course. Like, why would they burn that hype of the season finale of The Walking Dead on uh, a rerun of, uh, I don't know, what do they rerun these days? Gilligan's Island? Did they rerun that on AMC? No, I don't think so. But they could rerun something, but they're not going to. They want you to just roll right in like they've done before, of course, with fear when Morgan transitioned over, remember? Yeah. They want you to just roll right in to the new show, World Beyond, and I'm sure lots of people will. After that, in the subsequent weeks, it will air at 9 p.m. on Sundays. So you don't have to wait till 10 every Sunday. Well, they're already, you know, moving the time slots. You know, that's a kiss of death for a TV show. You can't move time slots around. Well, I don't think... I'm being hyperbolic. It's okay. Of course, yeah. Not going to be a big deal in this case. Um, And in terms of the timeline of when this show takes place, Scott Gimple told us that World Beyond will be, quote, a little behind The Walking Dead, but not enough for people to notice. So just behind. But that begs the question, why? And why would he tell us that? Well, it was an interview. The interviewer asked him what the time frame is going to be. It's basically 10 years into the apocalypse, which is where we are at in the main show right now. I don't know why it's important that it's a little behind. And because of crossover, they've got to do a crossover of some kind, right? Oh, they, I'm sure there will be crossovers. There will be, the shows will influence each other, or at least 
as viewers, we'll get information about similar things from different perspectives, I, I imagine. Um, but it's just interesting that he said it, it, it will be a little behind, but not enough for people to notice. So is that because Rick is going to show up in this show? It could be, I don't know. It could be anything. I, I'm not sure. Maggie? Well, Maggie is going to be around. She's coming back for the second half of season 10. Um, I, I have some more details on that, but I'm not going to talk about them because that could be a little bit spoilery, but um, yeah, I just think it was a weird thing to say, you know, it's a little behind, yeah. but not enough for you to care about it. So don't worry about it basically. Yeah. Why, why tell us? Yeah. Like, it's like Rick telling, uh, Morgan that, uh, a scientist told him a secret, but, uh, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's a dick move. Why, why tease us with this information unless it's going to be, uh, incredibly relevant. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, maybe it will be in some way. Maybe he's not giving us all the information. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. I don't know. At least he's not lying to us. Yeah, at least he's not lying to us that we know yeah. of. Most interestingly, though, is the final bit of info I have about the new show. AMC has officially announced that this show will only be two seasons of 10 episodes each. They have decided out of the gate that they're going to do two years of it, and that's it finished that's that's weird to start a tv show and have a planned ending before it even starts well it is weird but it would be extra weird if this was a new property right a new show and they don't know how it's going to go and they decide to do one or two seasons i think what they're doing here and i do agree that it's weird but i think what they're doing here is assuming that it's walking dead so there'll be a certain amount of viewership almost guaranteed but they don't want to i mean i guess they could just do season by season but i think they decided that let's try something let's do an experiment to see if you know telling people that we've got two years of this show and then we're going to move on to something else has any impact on the viewership maybe they'll increase it maybe they'll decrease it i don't know but i feel like amc is experimenting with something here could be they filmed this already right the first season or at least partially oh yeah the first season is done filming okay. I, so I you know maybe uh, they filmed the first season and then scott gimple and the showrunners went i really hate these actors i, I don't like them let's <laughs> can we cancel this right now? Like, well, no, we can. We gotta we've already been greenlit for a second season. Let's just do two seasons and then pull the plug on these assholes. Well, I mean, who knows? Any anything is possible, I suppose. But I feel like it's probably more likely they're looking at like Netflix and all the other streaming services and the way they release shows all at once. Or, you know, and, and give people the opportunity to binge things. And then AMC is maybe thinking, well, they're trying something different. Let's also try something different because we can't release all of our content at once because that's not how it works on cable TV. But maybe if we tell people this is going to be two years, like get on board, buy in now, it's not going to be a 10 year commitment and, and, right. and, and, you know, stick with us for two years and we'll tell you a solid, good contained story. I mean, you know, who knows what they're going to do. Maybe the next one they'll do is be a mini series and only be five episodes. For all we know. Okay, so they they could be kind of uh, trying to mitigate the, the the large barrier to entry, and this is the same problem. And I'll explain what I mean. It's the same problem I'm having with Star Wars novels, right? There's so many Star Wars novels out there. Right. There's just 
there's so many and they've re- they've redrawn the line of what is canon and what is not canon. So there's Star Wars novels out there that were canon, uh, but no longer are they canon. So there's now new novels that are canon. They did that when Disney bought AM, yes. or uh, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, right? They decided that the the films were canon and maybe yes. certain other particular things, but everything else was not. And they were going to restart their own canon yeah, for Star so Wars. They started the novels over, like the canon novels at that point started over. Right. And there's just, there's so much. And the, the there's so many novels that are out there uh, that jump around within and, you know, interleaved within the canon movies mm-hmm. and TV shows and such that uh, I, I, I can't figure out where to start. Like, I don't know where to start and therefore I can't start. Because I'm not the kind of guy that starts a series of novels without finishing them. Right. And so, and I don't want to start in the middle. I remember reading a Star Wars novel in the, uh, the late eighties, early nineties, uh, that was the first part of two and I can't for the life of me find it. So I don't know (laughs) how the story ends or where it goes from there. So, uh, I guess maybe by saying that this show is only going to be two years, it lowers that barrier to entry. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay. I can get on board with this if I don't, if I know I don't need to know all of the Walking Dead lore and backstory, mm-hmm. I can just get into this. It's going to be a short, easy thing to get into, uh, and in order to get a new audience hooked without having to worry about them, uh, about the audience knowing their entire, you know, property. Yeah. Or even just kind of walking dead fatigue a little bit, right? Like if there are people that are watching the main show, watching fear, playing video games, there could be an element of, do I really want to watch another walking dead TV show? Do I have time for that? Do I have the desire for it? But okay, it's only two years. So, or two seasons, 10 episodes, that's not a huge commitment. I'll just do it. And maybe it'll end up being really great. And it is good if they've thought of this from the get-go and they designed the entire first season around this premise that they know it's only going to be two seasons, the story arc could be a lot tighter. Right. right? It might be a much better story without it having, you know, starting out open-ended. Right. And I mean, without having, you know, The Walking Dead works for a number of reasons, but it has the comic, of course, to have to draw a story from. So they kind of know where they're going. This one doesn't have that. This is extended Walking Dead universe. And you're right. If they've, if they've planned it out from beginning to end and decided this is how long it's going to take to tell this story, then that's great because you're right. It should be tighter. It should be, um, it, there, there wouldn't be any meandering in the story or making it up as they go along, which never works out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so I think, I think I've, uh, after this conversation that we've had, uh, I'm going to give this a thumbs up as an idea. Okay, good. Well, that's fine. We will definitely, or, I mean, I'm going to be watching it. I assume you're going to be watching it. We'll probably want to talk about it a little bit on here, although we, we aren't going to cover it episode to episode, but it certainly is part of the grander Walking Dead canon. So we have to at least, uh, acknowledge that it exists. Yes. <laughs> Which that we've done. Good. All right. Well. Um, Moving on here, Sarah Barnett, the president of AMC Networks, was recently interviewed by the LA Times. And speaking of um, Walking Dead or zombie fatigue, she was asked this question. The interviewer said, I'd argue that there was a period in seasons six, seven, eight, where part of what was shaping that narrative was a sense among critics of a decline in the creative. 
How did you avoid walking dead fatigue or zombie fatigue, or even more broadly horror fatigue, turning off fans of the Mad Men and Breaking Bad brand? And her answer is this. She says, when you look at our study with our audience, it doesn't turn them off. They love The Walking Dead and they love Better Call Saul just as much. I don't think fans of AMC discriminate between genre and non-genre in the ways that maybe critics do. I would challenge anyone to watch the last couple seasons of The Walking Dead and not say that uh, that that is remarkable storytelling that has a lot of complexity and depth and emotion to it that is real and earned, along with the horror aspects. In terms of the quality question, I think that with 10 seasons of television, something like ER or Grey's Anatomy, shows go through spurts. We've done a lot of research on the response to it, and we certainly have our own thoughts about it. It's true to say that the season with Negan uh, became a little too hopeless for audiences. I think that there was a creative intention behind it that was really smart and thoughtful, but I think it probably pushed people to a place uh, where it was a lot to take at a time when maybe people just didn't want to see that. Yep. So I, I found that pretty transparent on her part to say that, you know what? Those seasons with Negan, they were too hopeless. They were a little too much for audiences. Now, that's maybe a nice way of saying, okay, they weren't that good. <laughs> because, I don't know. Because you can have good and hopeless, but these were mediocre and hopeless, and that's not a way to keep or win new fans. Yeah, you can't. And it's a very hard line to, uh, to skirt, right? Uh, you know, being dark, but not being too dark and not injecting too much light or God forbid comic relief, mm -hmm. uh, you know, actual comic relief. Uh, so it, it's a hard thing to do. And sometimes you cross the line, sometimes you cross the line and all of a sudden you've got some comic relief that just doesn't work. Or sometimes you cross the line. It's just like, everybody's just a little too heavy hearted to continue with this. I can't take this anymore. There's no joy. There's yeah. no joy in this show. I can't watch it anymore. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, balance they have to to keep right i mean this yeah. is this is a zombie horror show so there's going to be death and darkness and all that kind of stuff but if it's only that then people are going to get tired of it and move on so yeah i think that's what angela kang has done brilliantly in turning the show around and keeping that kind of stuff but also injecting a little bit more fun you know yeah and you know for the record balance is not you know, having good balance is not just uh, being perfect all the time and being able to balance on that or stay on that line without faltering. Balance is faltering and then correcting mm -hmm. and getting back on that line and going a little bit farther this way and then getting back and not doing that in such a way that you don't fall off. So, yeah. you know, even if they are balancing that line, sometimes you cross it and they lose their balance a little bit. But uh, they're trying to correct it. And then you get the problems of overcorrecting. As soon as you start overcorrecting, then, you know, like if you're driving your car too fast and you've got too much of a vehicle underneath you and you start weaving back and forth and all of a sudden you're, uh, you're wrapped around a tree. All of a sudden you're upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that's that. It was a pretty interesting interview. They, she talked a lot about, you know, AMC in general and their other shows and stuff like that. But I felt like that was the most interesting th thing she said about the walking dead. Um, and like I said, Angela Kang has, has swung it back the other way a little bit, but, and so far not too far, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, uh, next up, Michael Rooker. You remember him, of course. He played Merle. He was at the Wales Comic Con in Wales, and he was on a panel talking about Guardians of the Galaxy mostly, I think, and then The Walking Dead came up. Cool. And I, I don't know exactly what he was asked or if it just kind of happened naturally, but he said, I don't prefer either. I made more money on Guardians. Walking Dead, they were cheap. AMC was very cheap. That's probably why they killed me off because they knew I was going to get more money next season. And that's just the quote. And, and that's, that's, I mean, make that, make of that what you will. But he sat there on stage. He called AMC cheap and more or less accused them of killing off Merle because they didn't want to pay him. Well, maybe his contract had, uh, you know, a, pretty significant increase over time mm -hmm. and they think they kept thinking well i think maybe we can't afford him anymore or we don't want to afford him anymore because you know we've had uh lawsuits around uh you know vertical integration and uh you know funneling money from one department or one you know fiscal organization to another in order yep. to uh claim loss of income mm -hmm. you know, not not profit so uh, maybe they are cheap. Well, I mean, I'm not going to dispute that either way. I, I have no idea of, 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 I have no idea, right. Of what their actual sort of approach is there, but, uh. Well, there's cheap and then there's fiscal responsibility. Of course. Right? Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, this, it's not so relevant now, but, uh, back in the eighties, uh, I remember, uh, my stepfather telling me specifically, you remember the space shuttle? You remember that thing? Space I do. Shuttle? Yes. Okay. Do. The space shuttle, it's important to keep in mind that the space shuttle was built by the lowest bidder. <laughs> like it was the absolute cheapest space shuttle that they could possibly put on a launch pad. Yeah. Well, and it worked <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. yeah. You have to take that, uh, you have to take a little bit of a risk. If you want it to work every time, that fucking thing's going to be expensive. I mean, today is the anniversary of the Challenger disaster, isn't it? Is it really? It is. It's, it was today or yesterday. Yeah. It's, uh, Holy I think, shit. That's I think it's today. Unintentionally relevant and kind of sad. And I'm sorry. Yeah. No, the Challenger disaster was this. Well, I can't rank the disasters, but it's the one I remember the most, of course. Because oh, I remember that day very well. Everybody was watching it and the school teacher died and, and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, it's the most iconic image, too, with, with the ex white explosion and the rockets firing off opposite directions yep. kind of so uh anyways that was uh you know that wasn't necessarily a failure of income that was more of a failure of, of uh, leadership and decision making yeah that particular and uh, that particular one a failure of publicity in a way uh, well there was a lot of pressure to get that launch done and over with, because it had been, I don't want to talk about it too much, but it's been delayed, it was delayed so long that basically the, the upper management went, launch that fucking thing. Yeah. And everybody in the, the engineers saying, whoa, 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 there's a risk. It's like, ah, launch it. We yeah. got, we got to launch. Yeah. And, and they did. And they and did. It failed. And it didn't go so well. Uh, all right. Um, so that's Michael Rooker talking about AMC. Apparently they're cheap. Moving on into some video game news. So, Jason, there is a new Walking Dead video game called The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. Oh, yeah. This is a VR Walking Dead game. Well, there's a reason to get VR right there. Yeah. Well, or as I like to call it, porn goggles. Right, porno goggles. 
Um, so this comes, I think, from the uh, press release for the release of the game. The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners features an original storyline, freedom of choice, and visceral combat. Players can expect a deep-rooted VR gaming experience in where they must fight to survive the flooded ruins of New Orleans, surrounded by unending herds of walkers and torn apart by warfare between the remaining survivors. This is all in VR, so it's happening right in front of your eyes, all around you. I gotta think this is going to be a pretty scary freaking game. Yeah, they had a phrase in there that was the kiss of death for me. Which is? New Orleans. Really? I don't like things set in New or- New Orleans. Why not? I'm not sure. Like there was a lot of vampire stuff set in New Orleans at one point. Hmm. And uh I don't know what it is. Nothing against New Orleans. I've never been there. I've always wanted to go, but I just don't like fiction set in New Orleans. That's weird. I not, and I'm not sure why. Okay. So, I you know I was excited about this up until you said the word New Orleans and then it just kind of went downhill. Well, there. that's weird, but uh I I just think being It's me. It's not New Orleans. It's no, of important course. to realize that. Yeah, yeah. It's you. It's always you. I just think being in a VR world of The Walking Dead with zombies, like, would scare the crap out of me. Um, Now, that being said, I also kind of want to try it. I've done a little bit of VR. I've played a bunch of Beat Saber. (laughs) Very different, I know. Um, I've been in some VR environments. I did a one of those really cool free movement um, uh, VR things that you get in like big arcades and stuff. It's by a company called The Void and they did a Jumanji one. I did that. It was pretty freaking awesome. And I had a lot of fun with that. It wasn't frightening, although it was a little bit scary at times because you're on the edge of cliffs and stuff like that. But I think if, you know, you're in an environment like this and you have zombies attacking you and I guess other humans attacking you, I think it might scare the crap out of me, but I do want to try it in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, VR is one of those barrier to entry things. I mean, it's a financial barrier to entry. It's, it's kind of pricey mm-hmm. to get into it, but, uh, you know, I'm slowly stacking up video games that I want to play in VR. Yeah. Right. There's, there's, uh, uh Elite Dangerous. I really want to play that in VR. I want to play Subnautica in VR. And when I get to maybe seven or eight that are games I really want to play in VR, maybe I'll, I'll uh, I'll cave and get a headset. Yeah, well, this game is now out for Oculus Rift, the Rift S, the Quest, and the HTC Vive. And it's coming to PlayStation VR in spring of this year, 2020. So you have a few options there. The Oculus Quest is the one I want to get uh, because it is the headset only, like freestanding VR. You don't need a computer powering it. Yeah. And I'm really, really anxious to get one of those, but... You're right. They're not cheap. I think it's six ninety nine Canadian, which you know isn't insane, but it's not exactly pocket change. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if I can find out a way to figure out a way to raise some money and get myself an Oculus Quest, then are there companies out there that lease VR setups? Like rent them? I uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Or or well, lease I'm them. I'm thinking yeah. rent because I would. I, you know, I'd be. I think lease because I'm, I'm worried about, uh, yeah, financing. Cause you walk into a store and say, I want to rent a VR thing. And you take home a, a case with a VR goggles in it and you open it up and it's, 
just got, you know, well, covered in someone else's face sweat, like gross. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I mean, I did call them porn goggles, so I'd, I'm not sure I'd want oh. somebody else's borrowed porn goggles for a, a thing. No, right? pro- probably not. Yeah, <laughs> this is like this not. is the kind of thing I don't want to put on my head, <laughs> or really anywhere else, but yeah. or, or touch, or you know, yeah. So maybe it's not a great idea. So that's why I'm thinking lease or or financing. That's the even better option. I want a new VR set. Right. And then I want to give it back if I don't like it. Or, or pay for over time, you know, something like that. But, you know, the Quest VR, I think it's 700 bucks Canadian. I'm tempted, but not ready to shell out for it yet. We'll have to see. Anyways, if anyone out there has tried Walking Dead Saints or Saints and Sinners, uh, write it right in. Let us know what you think of it and if it made you shit your pants or anything like that. Um, Wait, is it out? Yeah, it's out now. It's I. It's oh, out okay. already, and it comes out later this year for PlayStation VR. So those. Oh, I thought maybe you were saying that it was out later for all of the platforms you mentioned. But uh, okay, so if it's out now, can you play it without VR? I don't think so. I think it's VR only. Well, that's kind of it's a dick move. Well, no, it's just that's the wave of the future. There's lots of VR only titles. Uh, I know, point. but there's also you know video game designers know that uh, not everybody has VR. And they want, they don't want to limit their market at this point. Well, I guess not, but they are specifically targeting a market rather than limiting the rest of it. So I, it's just the way it is. I mean, there are plenty of VR only, only titles there. That's what they do. And the reason I want the quest is because it plays all of these titles. They, the, they, Oculus also makes a Oculus Go, which is a much more inexpensive one. I think it's 249 right now, standalone, but it doesn't do any of the, more awesome games like the right. Darth Vader game where you fight Darth Vader. I've heard that's amazing too. It's another one I want to try, but I wouldn't buy the Oculus Go because it's really the lower end one and it doesn't run the games I want. So anyways, we'll have to see, we'll have to see, maybe get a quest at some point and, and give it a try. Uh, just before we move on, Adam Grantham, who is the creative director at Skydance Interactive, which is the company that has developed this game. He said with the walking dead saints and sinners, We set out to create an experience that players and fans could fully immerse themselves in, which you can't get from playing a console or mobile title. We wanted to give players an original story that truly belonged within the Walking Dead universe, from the environments, the narrative, and the combat, to make them feel as if they were truly living in this gruesome world. Cool. So there you have it. So if you've tried it, let us know. Send an email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com with your short review. Um, I would love to hear what it's like and uh, maybe someday we'll get to try it. Maybe. (laughs) Finally, sticking with the video game theme is that just in case anyone wants to know, Telltale's The Walking Dead game is now once again available on Steam. Okay, good. If you recall, they were removed from Steam way back when Telltale shut down there unexpectedly. I do. Uh, But then the game was finished by um, Skybound Games. I think Kirkman started a video game company basically to finish it. And it hasn't been available on Steam until recently, but it's back there now. So if you're looking to play it, you can get it on Steam. And incidentally, it's also now available for Nintendo Switch. So they've put it out for the Switch as well. Nice. So there you go. Telltale's The Walking Dead. Great game. You should check it out. All right. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard. Pickard. Mr. Pickard. Pickard. There you go. I'm not ever going to let you down. All you got to do. 
We're back, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us. From here on in, it won't be much Walking Dead, but it will be some Star Trek. So, Jason, I think I think you probably need to lead this conversation a little bit more than me, because if anyone's been listening for a while, you know that I'm not really a Star Trek guy. But No, and that's why I want to talk to you about this. Right. So when you say not really a Star Trek guy, yep. that means you've not watched any of the TV shows? I've never watched an episode of a Star Trek TV show, including The Next Generation, um, other than one or two of the original series here and there that I just happened to catch on TV like back when I was a kid. Right. But no, no Next Generation, no, list them off for me. Well, there's Next Generation, there's Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Deep, Deep Space Nine. Nope. There's Star Enterprise. There's None of a it. new one. I forget what it's called. It's even got the <laughs> actress from The Walking Dead on it. Yeah, I know. No, I have I not seen. I have not seen that particular show. It's two seasons. Uh, I started watching the pilot of that and fell off. It took me a long time to see all of Enterprise too. I mean, okay. I was behind the times on that. But from the get-go on Next Generation, I watched all of that. I was excited about Voyager starting. I was excited about DS9 starting, and I watched all of those uh, as they aired. Mm -hmm. um, I went back, and I've subsequently seen all of the original uh, series. Right. So uh, watched, You've seen the movies, though, uh, right? Some of the movies, not all of some. them. The good ones, I hope. Well, I don't really know, frankly. I've, in terms of the older ones, well, I, I couldn't even list them, but I think I've seen The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> That's important, but right. good. And I've seen, how many newer ones have there been? Two Ten. or three? Uh, no, new ones, well, I'd have to pull up a list. But, well, uh, I, I saw the first of the newer ones, and maybe the oh, second. Oh, you mean the new, new ones with like Chris Pine? Yeah, yeah. Oh, three of those. Okay, so I've seen one or two of those, but definitely not three. All this is to say, I'm not really a Star Trek person. You, on the other hand, are a Star Trek fan. I am a Star Trek person. I understand. Uh, Commonly known as Trekkies, right? Trekker. Oh. A Trekkie, well, yes. <laughs> it basically is blurred. Back in the 80s when Star Trek... Uh, uh, Next Generation was coming out. You were a Trekker if you liked the, or Star Trek Next Generation. You were a Trekkie if you liked the original series, but now it's all blurred together and you're just a Trek nerd. Okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm none of those things though. So, so that's where we're coming from here. And I, and as you said, it sounded like it might be interesting for me to watch this show and see what I take away from it versus you watching it and what you got out of it, having that history behind you. So where do you want to start here? Do you want to give opinions on it or do you want me to sort of talk a little bit about my experience watching it? Well, I want to hear your experience, but uh, I guess I want to preface this with a new way I'm looking at uh, evaluating television and movies. And this has to do with The Walking Dead. You know how in we were watching... Um, uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Yes, and everybody in that show seems to be uh, seem to be trying to um, make themselves better because they did something bad in the past. Yeah, so could can you make up for past failings? I mean, is, to be uh, fair, that's a theme on the main show as well. Le well, le yes, less so lately, but it was strong for a long time. Yeah, and then we talked briefly, I'm not sure how briefly, but we talked about can you do good things to make up for the bad things you've did, mm -hmm. and uh, my opinion was basically no, you've done bad things, you've also done good things, and they don't really balance out. 
Okay. So I'm in, I've been, that's been rattling around in my brain for a while. And I think that uh, evaluating and in basically thinking of my opinion of television shows and movies, I've been struggling with this for years. There's things I like and things I don't like, but where does that put something on a scale? So my opinion now is fuck it. I'm having two <laughs> scales, things I liked, things I didn't like. Sure. And, you know, and there's no, there's no intersect between them. They don't overlap. So that's how really. I'm, I'm going to talk about, when I talk about this show, I'm going to talk about things I liked and there are definitely things I didn't like. Okay. So, right. uh, overall I liked it. Yeah. Like just, you know, I, I did like it. There was more things that I liked than, uh, things that I disliked. Um, there was a lot, there was, there was a lot of things that uh, were nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. Like I could watch, uh, I could watch, uh, Patrick Stewart and Brett Spiner sit in 10 forward and have a conversation all day long. If it was 45 minutes of just, you know, data and captain Picard sitting there having a conversation, uh, 10 forward, you don't know what that is. That's the, the lounge in uh, the enterprise Fair where enough. they were yep. front windows. Anyway, it was called 10 forward. It was their bar. Okay. Essentially. Um, I could watch those, that, uh, whole show of just the two of them sitting around talking. And, and I actually don't disagree with that because those are two good actors and good characters. And, um, what we got in this episode along those lines was maybe my favorite part. Yeah. And, well, and definitely. that's, and that's even saying, and, and I can say that without really ha- again, having the history with these characters. I know who they are because they're such a big thing in popular culture, but I have never really watched them on screen before together. But what I saw here at the beginning of this episode, the opening scene was quite good. Right. Did the plot overall make sense to you? No. And that is one of the biggest problems I had with this episode. Well, I mean, kind of, and, and I, I just want to say that my feelings about this are, for me, it's more about kind of why I feel the way I do about this episode. But no, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I thought it was, I thought it, it moved too quickly. I thought there were things about it that seemed silly. And I felt like they were trying... Well, and again, it's hard for me to express it because I don't know where these feelings are coming from. Is it because I don't have the history and therefore there are things I don't know? Or is it because the show was trying too hard to hook new viewers that might not have the history? And I don't think that worked very well either. Um, But sorry, to answer your question, no, plot didn't make sense to me. And I found it- I can explain it it to you if that would help. Kind of redonkulous. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Are we, we're spoiler full. I mean, look, yes, we might as well spoil the thing. We've already revealed that data is in this episode. I don't think that's well, much it's of in a the opening shot for crying out loud. Right. Yeah, exactly. So and it doesn't inform the plot in any way, shape or form. No. So, so go ahead and spoil it. I mean, folks, if you don't want to be spoiled on Star Trek Picard, um, maybe this shouldn't be listening, but I imagine anyone who is, has watched it already. Okay. Well, good. Uh, so I can explain, <laughs> I can explain the plot, but I wouldn't, I don't want to go quite there yet. Um, so 
you know who Data is. You know who Picard is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that he wakes up in Chateau Picard, which is his uh, his home. I mean, I know that because they wine. put it on screen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that uh, you know that came in in and out of uh, the TV shows over uh, or Next Generation over time, and even showed up in uh, one of the movies. Yep. Or they talked about it anyway. Um, so. The nostalgia thing, they kind of compressed. One of the things I did like was that I knew that the, um, we'd get into nostalgia. So other than having, you know, uh, Captain Picard or Admiral Picard on, retired on screen, uh, as a big, um, nostalgia thing, he kind of, he went into the archives, into, uh, the Captain Picard, uh, room of this museum is personal archives. Yep. And so they had a whole bunch of shit in there that was all, uh, nostalgic. So they kind of literally put all this, all the nostalgia in a single room. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was a lot in there. I don't know if you picked up on how much was in there, but there was a lot of, uh, stuff that showed up in the television show and in the movies. And even something that was never, never showed up in the actual show, but everybody kind of knew it was there. There was a ship that he walked in, just that he walked past was a model of a ship. Mm-hmm. That's actually called the captain's yacht and kind of was attached to the underbelly of the saucer section of the enterprise. And he could take that out, right? It was just basically a shuttle, a special shuttle. It was called the captain's yacht. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, honestly, I picked up on 0% of that. Right. So that was, uh, that was nice to put that in there because it was, it was condensed, right? Sure. So it was nice and condensed. And then they got that out of the way. Um, I liked that this takes place after the timeline split. So what happened was, you know how we had Chris Pine, uh, that whole timeline shows up because Spock goes back in time and so does the the bad guy uh, and fuck shit up. I mean, I don't actually remember that specifically, but I'll take your word for it. (laughs) All right. So this takes place after this. The Romulan, uh, you know, Romulans are bad. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so they're they're the enemy of the Federation for, uh, you know, decades. Forever, yeah. Right? They were the bad guys in the original series. Okay. Okay. So they showed up in the, and they're related to the, um, to the Vulcans. So the Vulcans and the Romulans were one people at one point, and they kind of split off. Vulcans are, is what Spock is, right? Spock is a Vulcan, yeah. Okay. So Romulans are like Vulcans, but evil. Got it. Okay. Well, generally speaking, they're evil. <laughs> uh, so the, the Romulan star goes supernova and that was what, uh, why Nero went back in time and started fucking with the shit. And that's why, uh, Chris Pine showed up in the Star Trek movies and why they take, take place in the past and okay. why it's Captain Kirk because he went back in time. But this takes place after that event, but in our current timeline. All right. All right. So that was, that was neat to see. Uh, the last couple of series of uh, television shows were both prequels, like Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Enterprise, both take place in the past. Okay. Okay. So they take, they both, uh, well, the first one takes place before the, even the original series and Discovery, I'm, I'm, since I didn't watch it, I don't know where it takes place, but it's not, it's before the next generation anyway. So this is the first series in since in a very long time since the '90s where the show is in the current uh, state of the future, like the the current timeline, not in the past. It's not a prequel, right? 
So that was exciting to see. I've, I've always wanted this, another series that wasn't a prequel. Well, I, I can appreciate that as someone for somebody who, who has all that knowledge, but this was one of the keys for me, like watching this without knowing any of that, it's difficult to place this within any sort of timeline like that. And I started thinking to myself, do I need to? And I think in a way I do. I think it helps to have all that backstory and all that knowledge. And, you know, that's fine if that's the show they're going to make. But I was sitting there watching it, thinking to myself, like, I don't even know if, if, if I need to have that, that history or if the show is trying to do things to make it so that I don't need to have that history. And that's a very confusing way to watch a, sh a show, to be honest it with is, you. It is. It is. And ultimately, you don't need to know that information. That's just, it's kind of a nice to have bit of background. Basically, the main point is Picard's older, uh -huh. he's retired. So it takes place in, at a point in the Star Trek universe where Picard is retired. Right. So it's possible. It. So sorry, it's possible that I was overthinking it a little bit, right? But Maybe. I, I ended up at the end of the day feeling like this, this episode felt like it was stuffed full of things, but none of it had any substance for me. And, and I ended up thinking that this is probably because I don't understand why everything I'm watching here is important. And I'll give you an example. Um, so there's this character, Dodge, is that her name? Right. Yep. She shows up. Well, we, we, we meet her with her boyfriend. They seem like a normal couple. Suddenly they're attacked and she turns into this killing machine. She has a vision of Admiral Picard. She goes to see him and they seem to instantly have this very important and serious relationship. Picard basically goes out of his way to, to accommodate this, this girl and become part of her story. And I didn't understand that. Like, I didn't understand why when she randomly shows up at his vineyard, why he even gives her the time of day and isn't like, what the, who the hell are you? I'm just living my life here. Go away. It didn't feel like there was any real connection between the two or, or, or any reason for there to be a connection between the two. And again, I didn't know if that was because is this something I'm not understanding because I haven't watched Star Trek before or is the show not doing its job here by telling me what I'm supposed to know about this actual story. Yeah. Okay. So there's two, two things going on there that, uh, you're right that, uh, if you don't know the background, uh, it's hard to stomach. And I, you know, that's something I missed, mm -hmm. uh, because I, I, I knew both of those pieces are in my mind. One is the nature of Picard's character. Uh, he was the, uh, captain of the Federation flagship. Yep. So the Federation flagship was a symbol for the Federation out in, uh, out in space. So he was, uh, one of his primary duties was a diplomat. Mm -hmm. So he was going out, you know, seek out new life, uh, new civilizations go, or, you know, no one has gone before kind of thing. Yeah. So when somebody shows up or something unexpected happens to Picard, he rolls with it and he does it in a way that isn't antagonistic or, uh, he would never say I'm living my life here, get lost to anyone ever. It would always be, 
oh, why are you here? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. And that's he just part always, of his character. That's part of his character. It's who Picard is. That's yeah. what uh, he would do. So that's how it started. But then once he recognized that uh, what was going on with her, he had an inkling that this was something to do with data. And once uh, that became clear, he definitely wanted to dig into it because uh, data uh, was very special to him as a friend, mm-hmm. as well as um, had uh, he tried to create other uh, artificial life forms in the, in during the show. Yep. They all ultimately failed, but um, he this was something that data wanted. Right. Right. So he recognized that if this is the case, I have to figure this out. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you're here, but it makes sense that you are an artificial uh, being that doesn't diminish them as a person in any way, because sure. he even said that about the Romulans, like Romulan life, no life, because he values all life. He doesn't differentiate between uh, the races and stuff. They're all equally uh, valuable. So, and there's also this dividing line in the, uh, in, in the human society now, or in the Federation society now where artificial life, bad, uh, real life, good. Mm-hmm. He st- still doesn't have that distinction. It's just like, it's still a living being. Yeah. It's still a living entity. We have to respect it. And that's what he would do. Yeah. And, and I can, I can see that. Like I, I, I get that idea. Um, but it, it didn't feel like it worked for me when he, when they first came into contact with each other. And I understand his relationship with data. Like that is something that I do sort of get, or you get that because of, even because of the opening scene of this, of this episode, when they're, uh, sitting there playing cards. Um, so I, I think maybe if, if somehow it had been revealed to the audience and maybe even to the characters who she was, before they'd met or, or they're, they're the scene where they do meet. That is, they already know somehow what, what the relationship is. It might've worked a little bit better for me right. because I could, because then I could understand his reaction to her. He's like, Oh my God, you're my oldest best friend's daughter. Like we got to figure out how, why you're here, what you're doing here, where you've been, all these sorts of things. Yeah, um, he's not actually her. She's not actually his, daughter well like clone or whatever sort of well that's where the it kind of lost me a little bit and one of the things i didn't like so uh do you want the background of why uh how she got there and why data was in a drawer did that make any sense to you data wait data was in a drawer so when he met allison pill and they went to that that thing and they opened up a drawer and there was pieces of data in the drawer right you're right i i i I thought that allison pill's character was another one in here that I think I found a little more interesting, but again, felt like I was missing information about the history of living, quote unquote, people's relationship with artificial intelligence. And I, well, I, the, I sort of understand Picard's relationship now, but as a society, as a greater society, there seems to be a lot there that is referred to in this show and talked about a little bit, but not really explained. And I get That's it. all new though. That's all new? That's all new. Like the whole thing about Mars and being attacked by artificial life forms. Yeah. Uh, that was nowhere near 
uh, in the shows or the movies. Okay. Well, it's all brand new information. Alison Pill was there to dis- help describe and inform what was going on. To help deliver all that. Yeah. And, and I, and, and that's okay, I suppose, but I guess it comes back to then my approach of being like, should I know what's going on here or, or should I not? <laughs> right. And yeah. that made it harder. It helps to know. It helps to know. Yeah. So in the last Star Trek, the next generation movie, uh, Star Trek Nemesis, uh, Data was killed. He sacrificed himself in order to save the Enterprise, mm-hmm. right? But in that process, what happened was they discovered another version of uh, the Data android. So there, Dr. Noonien Sung, who is the guy who invented Data. Okay. And oddly enough, he looks just like Brent Spiner. <laughs> Weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, he created uh, two androids. He created Data, but he also created Lore, which is another... Um, artificial life form that is like data, but is evil, essentially. Okay. Uh, so evil twin. he, and he, yeah, evil twin, he's out there, uh, was out, I'm not sure what happened to Lore. I can't recall what happened to Lore. Anyway, he was out there in the universe, uh, fucking shit up and doing stuff and <laughs> came into contact with uh, data a couple of times and they had disagreements. Data first thought he, you know, he met his brother, he found him in pieces on a planet somewhere and he put them together and he's like, oh my God, there's another one of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's no other artificial life forms. Here's another one of me. And, and that relationship didn't work out. And I'm pretty sure Lore got, he got spaced one time and then he showed up with a bunch of Borg. I forget exactly what happened. I don't know. I don't remember what happened to Lore, but he's gone. During Star Trek Nemesis, they found another data robot. Basically another uh, version of data, but it was, uh, didn't have any programming. Right. It was just, okay. uh, it was just a shell without the actual program. So it was the hardware without software, even though they blur the line of what that actually is. And during the, uh, his death of the death of data, what he attempted to do was transfer his programming to this other Android, which was called B4. So I guess it was one, an earlier version of what Sung was doing. He did B4 and then he did lore and then he finally created data. Okay. Right. There might be other versions out there. I don't know. But he tried transferring his information to, uh, to B4. And I thought that was a cop out at the time. I really hated that in the movie. It's one of those things where a character sacrifices himself and the death of the character is a big deal, but then there's no consequences because there's another fucking version of him kicking around. Got it. So I, right. I can think of another more recent film where they did something like that, which I won't mention here, but I did on our last podcast. Yes. No. And I remember that. And yeah. they did that in this show. Okay. By the way, and that pissed me off, and it's one of the things I didn't like. Yeah. They killed her. They killed Dodge, but fuck it. There's another one. There's another one. Yeah. Right? There's always so, another one. <laughs> so there's the, the the tragic death with no consequences. Right. So they did that with Data. And this, and then, but uh, we didn't, the movie ended with um, uh, B4 exhibiting uh, the same characteristics that Data had in the pilot episode of The Next Generation. So it was a kind of a, a message of hope. Oh, this, this particular artificial life form could grow to be something as complex and as wonderful as data. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, uh, since he's in a drawer, that, that, that shit didn't work out. <laughs> right? Not so much. He yeah. was, he was not capable. And Nelson Pill said he was just, he was just, it didn't, uh, he wasn't capable of having that. Right. Well. But apparently, mm-hmm. apparently some of the... It was there. She was also talking about uh, taking a you know a small bit of his neural network 
which is basically his brain, uh-huh. and being able to extract that in some kind of complicated way to rebuild his entire programming or entire essence. So the idea was uh, somebody found or, you know, maybe the Romulans got a hold of some of his neural network when Data died and was able to use that to extrapolate it to build uh, more uh, artificial life forms based on Data's neural network. Do you think by the end of this season, we're going to have data returned? I hope to God we don't. Yeah. And that kind of makes me sad because I would love that, but I would also hate it. Right. It would feel a little bit cheap, even though if you could have a whole show of them sitting there playing cards talking, that actually sounds, I mean, at least fascinating for a while. Yeah. So- So... And it kind of makes sense. And one thing that uh, Allison Pill's character said also was they make the androids in pairs, right? Yep. She she said that, and which gives us the death of the hero, but there's another version of them. That also tells us that lore and data were made in pairs, right? So they made a, uh, Noonien Sung created a pair of these artificial life forms. Right. And they both worked and they both were out there for a while. They had vastly different personalities, mm-hmm. you know, one, one evil, one not, or whatever. Uh, you know, if you loosely define it, Laura is evil. He's just more self-centered than anybody else, than Data was. Uh, <laughs> so that kind of said, oh, there's an, as soon as she said that, I'm like, well, okay, there's another one. Right. Right. It has to be. She's dead. It's not like they're going to kill her character off what they did, but they're not going to, you know fire the actress. Right. She's dead, but not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and then the big reveal at the end, uh, where they're, did you catch the Borg cube? Yeah. So they're, they're rebuilding a Borg cube, like Death no. Star 2? <laughs> well, they said there were, uh, they said it was a Romulan reclamation center when they uh, went in there. So they're, they've captured a cube and they're taking it apart and analyzing wow. it. And, uh, basically, so... I think that Dodge and her twin sister uh, are a combination of Borg technology and reconstituted data brain. Okay. All so right. That's, so that's what I'm thinking is that uh, there's kind of a combination there. So we'll probably, and even from the trailers, we kind of know that the Borg are going to show up because the Borg are awesome. Okay. Yeah. They're, they've got to be in everything. Are they in everything? Are they always in Star Trek shows? Well- I don't know if they were in Deep Space Nine. They were definitely in Voyager. Uh-huh. They were actually heavily, heavily in Voyager. Okay. Uh, and they were in Next Generation because of, uh, well, yeah, they encountered the Borg. I'm not going to go into the, the backstory of how they encountered the Borg. And you might not even know who Q is. Do you know who Q is? No, I just know who Q-Bert is. Okay. So Q is an omnipotent being that <laughs> fucked with Next Generation shit. It sounds like we could talk for a long time about all the different aspects to the history of Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> well, there's a lot there. But basically this boils down to part data, part Borg. Okay. What it boils down to for me is like the thing, I think my part, at least part of my enjoyment of this show uh or lack of enjoyment of the show comes from what I brought to it in my own mind, right? I w- I was constantly worried about do I do I, will I be able to enjoy this if I don't have the history? And is the show not good because they're trying too hard 
to make it enjoyable to people without the history or are they not doing enough to make it to enjoy enjoyable to people right. without the history so again like like i came to the thing with expectations i came to this with a great deal of confusion or maybe that's not the right word but with a great deal of uh, apprehension about maybe not getting it and maybe that affected me a little bit but at the end of the day i don't think it was great but i respect your opinion that it was at least somewhere in between that there was good stuff and a little bit of bad stuff yeah so the bad stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> there's some other bad stuff i mean it was very very tropey that and it kind of annoyed me you had the uh, the unknown hero that was activated i'm like oh my god how many times have they done that oh yeah right uh, you know, the Bourne series, for example, or, you know, any number of movies. There was that movie with, uh, the guy from, um, uh, well, it's been done a Facebook, million times. Facebook movie. Anyway, where he was activated. There's just so many, there's Treadstone, which is another TV show that just started that, uh, has, it's all about the Bourne shit. Yeah. So they had that, you know, active, activate the hero kind of thing, which bugged me. You have the wise old man, like basically Picard is fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi for crying out loud in this. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so it was very, and even, she was even uh, friggin' Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. He was activated in the first Star Wars movie. It's the same shit, mm. right? He didn't know he was uh, a force user until Obi-Wan said, hey, uh, you got this thing now, reach out with your feelings. And all of a sudden he's uh, a Jedi, mm. right? So he was an activated hero. We have the wise old man. And then we have... Uh, one of the things I hated the most about Battlestar Galactica uh, was the uh, Rom Romulans was the Cylons being indistinguishable from humans. Like you could cut open a Cylon and they would have a heart and a liver and blood, and you couldn't tell genetically between human and Cylon. Right. Right. Uh, we have the same shit going on now. Like we can't tell that she's not human. I mean. I mean, I understand the need for that in order to have the activated hero, to have the, uh, the, uh, the unknown, you know, you, you're an android, but you don't know it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But do we really need another show about that? Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Like that did feel in a way overdone, really familiar, been done before, you know? Yeah. So it was a little disappointing in that regard. And we had the, the, you know, the death of the hero without consequences, like, that really irritates me when they do that. Yeah. Those guys that show, showed up at the beginning and killed her boyfriend, like, do we know who they are? Are they a They're Star Romulans. Trek thing? They're Romulans. The pointy ears uh, that Picard saw uh, at the end. Oh, right. Or uh, definitely. And even the language when they first showed up and they said, speak English, because that was, to uh, a discerning ear, that was Romulan. Okay. Got it. So we do know they're, who they are. So Romulans yeah, are doing, Romulans. doing stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even though she's activating. I mean, it was so. They even said that serenity. out loud, didn't they? They even said that out loud. It's, uh, yeah. it was a little, it was a little tropey. And one of the other things that I really disliked was, uh, when they were fighting, uh, when she was making Picard run. So first of all, don't make an old man run upstairs. Oh yeah. Just, so obviously stump double. You're not going to make friggin' Pat, Sir Patrick Stewart run up a set of stairs in order to get a shot, right? He's like 80 something years old. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make, don't make the poor guy run. He looks amazing. Oh yeah. He's wonderful. Uh, but he also, also, uh, plays, he's been playing older since he was 20, 
right? Because he went bald at about 19. Mm-hmm. So and he was doing Shakespeare at the time. And they're like, hey, he's bald. That's awesome. We can make him play all the old people in our Shakespeare <laughs> company. So he would be one moment uh, playing an old man. And then the next moment, moment they'd put on a toupee and he would be, uh, you know, the young virile guy because he was only 19. Sure. So okay. he's always looked a little older than he actually was. Yeah. Um, what the hell was my point? Oh, she was fighting. Then the Romulans showed up and she was jumping around dodging laser bolts. Yeah. I thought was funny. But then she jumped really high in order to get that other guy. Oh yeah. And, and then as soon as you do that, she, she went ballistic. Essentially she went, uh, she on earth, she jumped in the air at that point. You have no control over the direction, speed, or what you're doing. Like you can't jump off of, uh, you can't use the leverage of uh, railings or stairs or anything to change your direction, to change things up. For about a second and a half, she was perfectly arced in a, in a position where you knew exactly where she was going to be a half a second from now. They would have just shot her. Right. It's a, that's not, that's a, that's a tell. That's a weakness. It's very much a weakness. It yeah. irritated me. I'm like, oh, she went ballistic, mm-hmm. which not in the term of being upset, but she just, she physically was in a ballistic motion, which is very predictable on earth. Right. Even for an untrained eye, like you and me, it's like when you see, when you throw a baseball, you're like, I know where that baseball's going and it's not going to change direction until it gets there. Right. Right. Well. Uh, I'll tell you one other thing that baffled me a little bit about this, and this is going to be a silly thing and I hesitate to bring it up, but it bothered me. But again, I was sitting there thinking, eh, maybe this is just a Star Trek thing and it's been explained before and I don't need to worry about it. But for me, it was the way that the characters just seemed to be able to be in different places. Like she starts in Boston, cut, she's in France. Uh, um, he's in France. He needs to, suddenly he's in San Francisco and I get that they don't want to bog the show down with travel, but I felt really jarred by it. Like there was, there was no passage of time. It's just like, he's like, I need to go here. And then he's there and they have transporters. Well, is that what it is? Like, that's what I mean. That's they just, exactly what it they is. They just teleport I mean, they, anywhere they want to go. Absolutely. Okay. The whole, and even, uh, you know, even in the first, uh, the original series, I mean, that, the reason they transported down to the planet is that Gene Roddenberry couldn't figure out how to get the Enterprise to land. Yeah. How are we going to land this thing? It's awkward. And it, it's- I like, oh, fuck it. They'll just transport down. It's funny because I've seen that. Everyone has seen, everyone knows about transporters or, or whatever, but watching the show, that actually didn't occur to me that they just teleport around. It, it yeah. bothered me that they were just like here and now I'm there and you know, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's nothing. Like they're probably their doorways are, you know- transporters or even like even the, uh, the Romulans, when they showed up, they were using, uh, something that didn't exist during the, uh, the next generation television show or even mm-hmm. DS9 or Voyager was personal transporters. That was a, that was a, that was a future tech. So they've uh, apparently mastered that now where you actually have your phone, for example, uh, could yes. be a personal transporter. This is my transporter device. I boop, 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 want to go to this location in San Francisco. And you go, instead of hitting dial, you hit fucking send and you send your, your own shit there. <laughs> well, I would have appreciated a line or a scene where he just steps into something and then steps out of the other side, you know, on the, on another continent. Cause it would have reminded me that, oh yeah, that's how they get around. And I, it wouldn't have been a problem after that, but they didn't uh, include yeah, I, that. And I think they should have. 
I see your point, and it is valid. But yeah, from a, a Trekkie point of view, that was it. Not even a it thing. It would have annoyed me if they did include that line. So, oh. Because I'm thinking, we don't need that. Like, what do you think? I'm an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there are idiots like me walking around going, come on. They need to explain how they get from place to place. Yeah. It's so ubiquitous that uh, you just, you jump around. There's no, there's no barrier to uh, where and when you could travel. I mean, they don't even have money for crying out loud. It's not even a, you know, it's not even a barrier of how much it costs to get into a transporter booth to go from point A to point B. Earth does not use money anymore. Hmm. That's a whole other thing I'd be curious about. So, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it didn't even occur to me that that would be an issue. Okay. Well, are you going to watch more Star Trek Picard? I'll watch it. Okay. I'll I, watch it. I want to, I want to know what's going on. I like Romulans. I like, uh, I like the Borg. I like Data. I, uh, I like Allison Pill. Fuck it. I'm watching it. I, I, I like Allison Pill too. Um, uh, I don't, I watched this with my wife. I'm not sure what her feelings were on it. So if she wants to watch more, maybe I'll... Watch it with her, but if not, Did she she, she Trekkie. No, she watch. She didn't watch. Oh, what's wrong I, with you people? I'm sorry. She did watch a fair bit of of Next Generation, uh, because her parents were really into it. So I think she saw it, but I don't think she considers herself a big fan. But she might have more. She definitely has more knowledge about it than I do if she remembers watching it. So, well, if she I wants think you to, should watch it, and then we should have a conversation. If you need something explained. I'll get into it. What you really need to do is you need to talk to Derek. Like I'm com- compare you to me for tr- Star Trek knowledge. Uh huh. There's a larger gap between what I know and what Derek knows. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm sure there's lots of people out there like that. I, I have my pick of people who could educate me on the Star Trek universe. Yeah. He's read all the novels, for example. Right. And there's probably lots I've, of those too. There's lots of those. I've read a few of those, but uh, one of them was really good. Anyway, <laughs> the one I read was really good. All right. Well, that's Star Trek Picard. I guess if you have any comments on that or want to call me out for being a giant loser, uh, please, please nah, do. You, you just do that. You just haven't seen the shows. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's not being a giant loser. Well. It's just not, I think maybe the problem you had was you thought there was a larger barrier to entry than there actually was. And that's not a problem. It's just, you didn't know what that barrier was. You didn't know how much uh, foreknowledge you had to have in order to enjoy this. That is very true. But I also believe that there is a bar- there is some barrier to entry here based on not having that. And there is. I feel like they could have done a better job of balancing that. But to be fair, it was me thinking about it too much in a way. So yeah, Patrick Stewart is old. They got to get as much shit in and out of him as they possibly can. <laughs> right. I am floored that Patrick Stewart agreed to do another television show. Floored. Well, like, that dude should just be like retired and just like, you know, I am done. I'll do a movie here and there. But uh, I'm hanging out at home. Maybe he no. should just retire, live on a vineyard in France, and enjoy the last few years of his life. Hopefully, many more years of his life. But yeah, the the the, the French character with a British accent. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap up here, everyone, um, I just want to sh- send out a few thank yous, or really one thank you to people that have supported the podcast. And that is Ivan in London, Ontario, just down the road from us, who sent a very generous donation via PayPal. And if that's something you would like to do, even after hearing me 
dislike the thing and kind of dislike Star Trek. Um, a great way to do that is to visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal, and that will allow you to make a contribution. And all the money raised goes into the cost of hosting and putting on this podcast. So it's very, very much appreciated. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead, which allows you to make a small monthly pledge, um, which means, you know, helps a great deal as well. So thank you to everyone that has done that, including Ivan in London, Ontario, uh, for, you know, your generous donation. All right. So Jason, what's coming up next on this here podcast? You and me talking about shit? I don't know. I'm not really the planner of such things. <laughs> Probably some planning sessions. Yeah. No. What what we're going to do, and this is something that uh, designer Will, longtime listener, asked about a while ago at this point, but he was wondering if we'd do another AMA episode, like an Ask Me Anything, or in our case, an Ask Us Anything episode, because we've sure. done a couple in the past, and they were really fun, and it's been a while, so... I thought maybe we should do that. Is there anything new? Well, in in uh, hopefully there's some new listeners, right, who may not oh, okay. have gone so, back. So okay. we will likely... Well, it is ask us anything, even shit you've asked before, right? Exactly. You can ask us the same things. Um, any topic doesn't have to be Walking Dead or Star Trek related or Star Wars related, but you know, you can ask us anything, just anything you want to know. We reserve the right not to answer certain questions, but yeah, we will try our best to answer many of them. So how are we going to do this? Um, I think we're going to go fairly straight ahead this time and simply gather questions and then answer them. We've done this live in the past. We've taken phone calls. That's a little more difficult for us these days because of our proximity to each other and stuff like that. So we're going to hopefully just get some questions from people over the next few weeks, email us questions, call in, uh, record it on your phone and email it to us, or, you know, even potentially I'll, I'll post this on Facebook and I, you know, maybe, maybe Twitter, I don't know, but comment on our, our, our Facebook posts with questions, things like that. I'll gather them all up. And in a few weeks from now, we will do the AMA episode where we answer as many as we can. And uh, that'll likely fall in the week or two before The Walking Dead comes back at the end of February. Works for me. So think up questions, decide what you want to ask us. We'll answer as many as we can. If we don't get that many, that's fine. Maybe we'll do half AMA, half something else. But uh, hopefully we get lots to fill, you know, a solid podcast and uh and we'll do that in february you can do that by visiting the website at talkingdeadpodcast.com clicking on send voicemail at the top you can record a question right into your computer and it'll email to us uh you can also you know use your phone uh most of them these days have like a voice memo app which you can record and then send it straight to us that's a great way to do it uh or just send emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and we'll gather them all up and try to get through as many as we can. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash the talking dead. That's where you can post stuff. And we are on Twitter at talking dead. But again, that's confusing because many, many people confuse that with the AMC show called talking dead. So it can be annoying to sort through all of that, which is why I don't use it that much. But those are still things. 
uh, Talking Dead and Twitter? Uh, Twitter is still a thing, and the AMC show is still a thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's all the way to get in touch and uh, send in questions, and we will go through them in the near future. But otherwise, that's going to do it for this episode, everyone. So uh, hopefully I didn't alienate too many people with my dislike of Star Trek and things like that. I, I really do worry about that sort of whoa, thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Dislike of Star Trek? I knew you weren't, you didn't watch the shows and stuff, but I didn't know it was an active dislike. Okay, it's not active, but I don't think that episode was very good. Well, no, no, it's the dislike of the episode, that's fine, but. All the other shit, oh. it, 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 you didn't watch it because you disliked it? I, I can't say if, I, sorry, I can't say I didn't like it because I didn't watch it. Some of the things I've seen, I like just fine. Um, all right, that's it. Go back and watch Star Trek, all of it. <laughs> Start from the beginning. <laughs> Start over. And just go for it. Uh, I don't know if there are enough years left on my life to do that, but hopefully there are. <laughs> I am halfway to 90 now, so if I live to 90, maybe I'll have enough time. Oh, well, we might hit uh, singularity before then. Right. Once we are all able to transfer our consciousnesses into uh, neural networks, okay. we'll have all the time there is. If if that happens, then I'll watch all of Star Trek, I promise. Well, yeah, because, you know, neural networks and uh, artificial life forms will, uh, you know, be relevant to Star Trek. So yeah. you'll have to. I'll have to. There's It'll no other It'll be background, option. you know, research. All right. Well, very good. Be able to watch it all in uh, 15 to 20 seconds. Perfect. It's exactly what I need. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.